Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Wendy Papazan. I'm Via Williams. I'm Sarah Reynolds, and today we are going to continue our discussion in our talent series on the process of hiring. So far, we've covered the initial steps in hiring, the phone interview, the behavioral assessment, and the thought process questions. And of course, my favorite, the life story. At each stage of the hiring process, you have a decision to make, and you want to pause and make a decision to continue or consult the candidate in a different direction. Today, we're going to be discussing both the motivational interview and the group interview. Let's dive into the motivational interview. This is by far my most favorite part of the process as you really get to hear the candidates' dreams and where they envision themselves in the next five years. Wendy, describe for us the motivational interview. Sure thing, Sarah. So what you do when you do the motivational interview is, is you want to have a big whiteboard in front of you or maybe you've got a flip chart. And what I typically do is I draw a big X, right? Uh, actually, a big cross. So that there are four quadrants, either on your on your board or on your paper, and at the top of, of each one, on the top of two, you la- you label one job, and you label the second one finances, and then you leave the third and the fourth box blank. And then, um, typically, what you do is, is you look at the candidate and you and you tell them, hey, you know what? I want you to kind of put your future hat on. And I want to pretend that you and I haven't seen each other in a while. So you and I are walking in, you know, we're both walking around downtown Austin and we bump into each other. And I say to you, Sarah, how's your life? How is your life going? And um, this is actually going to be five years in the future. And you say to me, Wendy, my life is awesome. My life is so incredible right now. And so I want you to really think about what is making your life awesome uh, five years from now? And then typically you just let the you let the interviewee just kind of, you know basically brainstorm, right? Get their future hat on, and they start thinking about what their life wants to be like, like in terms of their job. What it, you know sometimes they're saying I want to own two rental properties, and then the other boxes you leave up to them. Usually their family. Sometimes it's travel. Sometimes it's charitable work, and then you're just filling in those things for them. That's awesome. Uh, Via, when you do the do the motivational interview, do, how do you position the flip chart? So has, as Wendy described, so you're, you're doing four quadrants, a big cross, and then they're choosing two of the boxes. And, and they, they can be a variety of things, as Wendy described. Um, where do you place it? Are, are they involved in, see, in seeing it outlined? Yeah, so I use a whiteboard. I don't use a flip chart. And then what I okay. do at the end, by the way, is I take a phone iPhone picture of it and share it with them. And and I don't do it in an X either. I I just do uh, columns mm. um, or, mm. or rows depending on the person. Uh, so that's how I do it. I think that what's interesting listening to Wendy is I on purpose Wendy don't say if I see you in five years, you know what is X going to be like? Because I I don't I want it to be a neutral person because I might be working with them. Mm. So I say mm. if a good friend sees you in five years, mm. because mm. I because I that's could good. be that person and I want to neutralize the process as much as possible. And then the other thing I would add to that uh, is that I find that the beauty and the truth comes on the third press. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Tell, tell me idea. more about Go that. Into that more. Go yeah, into- they and Wendy. I don't know if you want to jump in. I find they dive into the first two relatively easily, 
And then it's the third and the fourth ones where the gold are. So, okay, what else? And then you start hearing longer pauses and then what else? Well, I would I would actually disagree because for us on our team, building wealth is really important. So I want to make sure that they're a cultural fit in terms of that finances. And typically, if people don't have big financial goals, they don't always have big goals for their life. So I, I actually think the finances for me is really important. Oh, yeah, I mean going you. three or four deep on, on each one, Wendy. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I see. But what do you mean? You, you, you're just, so when you say that, you're asking like, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Well, I guess what I do is I just let people kind of um, brainstorm. So I'm not making people go deep on each one and then move to the next one because I don't think that's how people think. And so I'm, I'm as they're saying things, I'm filling in the boxes depending on what they're saying. So like vacation or charitable work, or I think, I think if you, if you move, if you make them move from one box to another, then it, then they can't really go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do it differently. I stay deep. Definitely. I stay deep on each topic before I move Mm -hmm. on to the next for sure. So, so what are some questions to dig deep? So, so you're in each quadrant and you're wanting to dig, because a lot of times people might just say, might say, okay, in five years, I want to own my first investment property, for example. Let's use that as an example. How would you dig deep on that goal, for example? I mean, I would say like, why is that important to you, Sarah? You, you say you want an investment property. Tell me why that's important to you. What would okay. that do for you? That's good. Right? Um, you know, and I think the one thing that both of you are mentioning is, is you're, you're looking at where their goals are. I think one thing that's important to note is because all of our exploration process, right, or uh, is our exploration process is so thorough, I think we have to remember that the vast majority of people are never asked about their goals or dreams during an interview process. And I think the vast majority of people have never thought about it at the level that we talk about it. And so... Absolutely. You know, I think I find often that I have to do a second like blush on this style of interview, on the motivational interview, because the first round they go through is a lot lighter. And it's almost like during that next interview phase, we go back and they're like, you know, I thought about that some more. I want to add to what we talked about last time. Hmm. That's well, cool. I think it tells you a lot about a person if they're a goal setter, yep. right? If they do have big hopes and big dreams. And you want someone who's a big thinker. Right. I mean, this is someone's opportunity to have the most amazing, awesome life. And if at the end of five years, you know, you're looking at their life and you're kind of like, that doesn't sound that awesome to me. It's not really somebody you want in your organization. I don't think. So true. No, that's true. No, it's been powerful uh, for me to see, and I shared on the previous episode, how I went back through and and went through this process with all my current people Mm because I hadn't done it right to begin with. Uh, Seychelle, I, I know that your heart is is so big. Um, and I think uh, as a leader, uh, it, it shows in everything that you do. I don't know about you, but during the motivational interview, I just fall in love with them, yes. <laughs> which can be really great, but it can also be not not so great. Yeah. <laughs> because we're wanting to go through the process. At this point, we haven't hired them right. yet. Uh, right. And so, and we want to be as objective as possible while we're talking with them. Um, so has that been hard for you and not totally falling in love with everyone that you've interviewed? Honestly, I have to, I have to tell you this process actually saves me from myself in a lot of ways mm. because I love people. I think that's probably one of my biggest superpowers, but could also, when it's overused, be one of my biggest weaknesses is I want to see people succeed. I want to see them live their best life. And I want to be a part of that process, whether it's referring them to another team, keeping them for myself, or helping them in another opportunity. 
And so I constantly, in the back of my head, have to use the phrase, stay in curiosity, stay in curiosity, stay in curiosity over and over again. And I know like I had one candidate who we were interviewing and it was like her dreams and ambitions were amazing. Her goals were fantastic. She was so, you know, just like right on point. But I could also hear a lot of things culturally for our team that were going to be misses. And she's an incredible person. And we actually, after the motivational interview, I told her, I said, listen, as amazing as I think it would be to get the opportunity to work together, I think actually you should start your own company. I don't think you should come in and work for ours. I think you have all the chops and capabilities to go start your own. And she's now one of the top 15 in our own region now. And and I, I think it would have been a miss culturally. We would have put her in the wrong organization had I tried to be selfish and keep that talent for myself. So I think it, it allows us to see where their potential is and help them, whether it's with us or not. Yeah, it's, and that's a great part of the process where they're they're actually you're helping them self discover, yes. right? You're not telling them, right? you're not saying that at the end of the interview. They're self discovering because they're looking at where they want to be in five years, mm-hmm. and they're thinking, "Hmm, is my is your organization, Wendy, the next logical step? Yes, that's a perfect for me to get where I want to go in five years." And if it's not, then honestly, you're just going to come in because I don't want you to come into my organization and spend six months here and then and then be divergent, you know. Or I certainly don't want you to come and spend the next three to five years here and then you look up and you, and it was a misstep for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the worst thing we can do. Yeah. Honestly, is put you into an opportunity that is not going to be the best use of your natural talent, right? That's yeah. that's a or, or vice versa mm-hmm. to where we're, they're not thinking big enough, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see we see both during the mo- motivational interview. So once you've gone through it, uh, what do you do with the board? So you have the, the board outline with the quadrants. What do you do next? Via mentioned it. I always ask if they want to take a photo, right? So I take a photo as well. And then what we do is we actually type it up and we keep it. And if you do end up hiring them, it's really great to revisit it on an annual basis. And it's even more fun to revisit it in five years. And um, what often happens is, is that a lot of the stuff came true. It's incredible. I love that. Right? And, and, and you know, we have systems for everything. So what happens then is we take their goals and dreams and we put it on what's called a 411, which is our kind of our our business plan that's well, it's not business, it's personal and business accountability that we do once a week. And then me as your accountability partner says, hey, you know what? You told me that in five years you want to be here. right? And so what can we do this year? What can we do this month? What can we do this week in order to move you one step closer? Yeah. You know, that's really um, good, Wendy. I don't think I do that enough. That's really convicting. What I just wanted to share what we do in our organization is I think it's great that you type it up because I have really bad, bad handwriting and everyone has a hard <laughs> time reading it. But every candidate that we interview or not interview has a, a file in Google Drive. And so we have complete, um, we call them CV files, right? Mm-hmm. Some people will call that curriculum vitae. We call it career visioning. And so in that file is the photo and the notes and our behavioral assessment that we use and all the things in there because when we get to the defense of the candidate, we're sharing that entire Google file with the team that's going to be, you know, there's sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's multiple people. I'll tell you too, the other benefit of doing um, everything virtually is we also record the interviews if we can't do it in person and save those in the file as well. And I've had some great nuggets when other team members are, are, you know, considering the candidate or if they might be working directly with other team members, they can go in and watch the interview and also have follow-up questions with that as well. 
I would, you know, I, I just push back a little bit on that Seychelle. Like I know for me personally, I would not want to have anyone videotaping me in that instance. And I guess maybe if you're doing it on Zoom, that's It's on thing, Zoom. But... It wouldn't be like a camera sitting in the room. I think that feels kind of weird. But let's say, yeah. let's say if it's an operations person, right? And you're going to have them working with three or four people. I think it's really intimidating to do that motivational interview with three or four people in the room with you. Oh, but, you never do the motivational right, interview. Right, with, you do with it with one, yeah. but they may have mm-hmm. to be working with two or three or four other people at a very intimate level. And you want to make sure they kind of get to know that person. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate where you're coming from though, for sure. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't do it without yeah. their permission. Right. So what what's really important is when you have the four d- different quadrants and you're writing uh, out the words, wh- what you find is then in each of the quadrants, the same words start appearing, right? So um, one of the most powerful parts is when you circle the words that really stand out to you. And I know for me, one of our, we were going through this process with an expansion, with an expansion partner, and they were sharing with me that they really want to have an impact and feel significant. That's what Mm. the words that kept popping up was significant and having an impact. And I realized that our systems were in place to make sure that our expansion partners were able to have the significance they wanted to, because in this instance, she was tying it to getting into the top um, mm. room, mastermind room in our company. And so we actually changed our whole, how we uh, do reports and things with the company to make sure that she can achieve that goal. So that's another thing that can come from this process is that you can realize, oh, I've got some gaps in my business to where someone might not be able to accomplish what they're wanting because you did the motivational interview. It is so, so, so important. So right after the motivational in- interview um, is the next part of the process. So up until this point, um, it's basically been you and the candidate. And so it is good to be uh, tying in others, as Seychelle said. But up until this point, it's mainly been you and the candidate that you're uh, working with. They say that you spend 90,000 hours working with your coworkers in your lifetime. Did you guys know that? Wow. 90,000. No, I, I didn't know that number. <laughs> That's really Isn't intense. That, <laughs> Isn't that depressing? Woo. Yeah, Uh, I kind of want to get my calculator out. (laughs) How many years is that? It's it's like an it's an average uh, it's an average working time frame. Uh, It ends up being more than what you spend if you take out sleeping. More than what you spend with your spouse and kids. Um, So sort of sad, actually. Uh, But the bottom line is that it's really important for people to like who they're working with because you're going to spend so many hours uh, with your uh, coworkers. And it's also important that this process helps with retention. I just did um, the math, by the way, for those of you that are like me and they're like trying to figure it out. I'll just walk you through it. It's 40 hours a week times 50 weeks times 45 years. That's your 90. Yeah. That's a lot, a lot yeah. of hours. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't make it up. Um, and so the next part of the process is the group interview. And, the, and the, so it's been just you and the candidate. And then now you're entering into the group interview because what you want to do during this time is you want to make sure that the team feels that this would be a good hire. So Seychelle, can you describe for us what the group interview look, looks like? Yes, absolutely, Sarah. You know, as as you said, it gives the key people in your organization um, that the candidate will be working with some time to see if they will really fit in. And I know from all, all of us on this podcast, um, cultural fit is really important. And so that's where this group interview becomes very important that you don't skip this step. 
And I found it important to coach the team members that are going to be in the interview with you on maybe some areas of concern that you might have or areas that you think we need to draw on and expand on more so you can gain additional perspective. Um, I also recommend um, that you go over any concerns that you may have found at this point. I think it's okay to be direct and honest and open with the candidate so that as you're exploring opportunities together, you both can be honest with whether or not this looks like it's going to be the most beneficial fit for the both of you. And I think... And and just a quick caveat, yeah. how many how many typically are in your group interview in our, for all of you? I'm just curious. Yeah, in our group interview, we typically will have three to five, just depending on what the role is. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's a little different. So that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm um, just curious. yeah, when yeah, I'm in the mode of, of hiring a branch manager, we have to have our agent advisory council ALC. home or ALC. ALC. Mm-hmm. And that can range, Wendy. That can be three mm-hmm. to ten. It can sometimes yeah. be ten people, right? Mm-hmm. And the important thing is is that we that the person hiring is not in that group anymore. Right. Yes, that has been key. And I I messed that up in the beginning because I was in there. And then your your sort of bias is so evident. Yeah. And it, well, especially it, when you're the leader, yeah. if you're doing yeah. the hiring and you're the leader and you already have fallen in love with that mm-hmm. person, you probably don't give anybody in your organization opportunity to say no because you're you're probably a dominant personality. Well, exactly. and I mean, if it, and if I we think all we are. all are we all yeah. are good at sales, right? And so I think then it becomes where if you're in on that, you're you're selling the candidate um, or or steering that candidate a little bit into, into how they can win in the organization. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my biggest fail that I've made in this whole... I've been in a, this position where I, I run a, a eight brokerages and my biggest fail with hiring came from me totally steamrolling a candidate in and literally sitting in the group interview. It was the worst. Oh. I'm so dumb. I don't oh, know I've done it too. Yeah, you're not no, alone. We've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. So, so well, listeners, don't do it. Day, yeah. Well, at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. that's why it's so important to have multiple candidates. Yes. Right. Because yes. it's it's actually a part of our human behavior, especially if you're a people person, to be biased towards the thing that's right in front of yeah. you, and it's going to take away your, the pain from you. And if you've got three candidates and you've done the whole process and you can compare apples to apples and at each turn, you're reviewing the pros and cons of each person and then you present the three to the people in your organization and you say, listen, I need your honest and and credible feedback and you tell me which one you think would be the best organization based on what you know about what we need to accomplish in the next two to five years. Have you guys ever had one where you were like, gung-ho about them, like so excited. And then your team just totally squashed it. I, I mean, Say. I had one a couple months ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I had a candidate that I, I thought was great, was coming from a competitor, really smart, really sharp. And uh, my team came back to me. And I mean, like I was ready to sign off and let's go and do this. And, and th- my team came back to me and said, absolutely not. Not only are like, you know, not only are we not okay with that, but like you're going to seriously lose some social capital with us if you make this higher. And I think that's wow. where it's really, you know, and as a leader, I think it's important to trust your people. You hired them for a reason. And I think if they are willing to be honest with you, you have to stop, turn around, listen to what they have to say intently. I didn't just take their word and say, okay, I said, well, let's explore why. Tell me your thoughts behind it. What's your rationale? And I had multiple people in the organization saying no. And I said, okay, you know what? Like as much as I would love for this person to come into the organization, 
we're the sum of a lot of parts and it's not just about me. So if you're not comfortable with this, then we absolutely don't move forward. And it's probably the best decision we could have made for that person and for us looking back. And can I share where I think this is really critical is that if you're if you're building an organization and you have a lead a need for a lead operations person, for most uh, smaller organizations, as they're growing, this lead operations person is is pretty critical yes. to the success so of the organization. Critical. And the reality is, is this is you know your director of operations or whatever that looks like is going to have uh, a lot of tasks under under their belt. You know they're probably going to deal with some functions of marketing. They're going to be creating systems. And so the the reality of that person is is you're never going to find anyone who's a hundred percent perfect fit for all of those hats that they're going to wear. And so for you to know where you need to be in one, two, three, four, five years is is extremely critical because this person's going to help get you there. And the first hire you make in that role is going to be different than three years in in your organization or five years in or 10 years in. And you're probably going to be able to afford to get a better candidate as you go along anyway. But I just think for that for that director of operations, having multiple candidates to choose from and getting yes. your team to give you some buy-in there is, is just huge. Yeah. No, and the larger your organization gets, the less interactive interaction they're actually going to have with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's more, it's way more important to get the feedback of, of the people that they're actually going to be working with. Yes. So on a smaller team, it, it, a lot of times is the almost the entire team. In larger organizations, you want it to be the group that they're going to be working with. So their department mm-hmm. needs to really have buy-in. Um, I know some teams that make it to where, you know, if one person doesn't like them, they don't hire them at all. You know, and then I know other organizations that more are wanting the feedback to see if they have any red flags or anything like that. Um, but it it's a, a different take. Well, you know, and Sarah, I think that's such a great point because... There are, there's always going to be, we call it a bugaboo on our team. There's always going to be a bugaboo with every candidate that you have. No one is going to be the perfect fit, just like no kid is a perfect fit. No spouse is a perfect everything. You just can't be perfect all the way around. And so part of the reason why you go through this process is because you're really trying to dig to what are going to be the challenges or stressors in this person's life that I foresee in the future. And am I okay living with those or growing together through those in order to be able to pull out the very best and the other 90% that I see in this candidate? But I think... I think we just don't want to set any expectations that you're going to have three candidates, all are perfect and have no fallacies. There there are going to be challenges. It's just a matter of which ones you're most comfortable living with. That's so great, Seychelle. And honestly, you're spot on. Today, we talked about the importance of digging into their motivation through the motivational interview. And I loved what uh, Via and Wendy shared, which is about taking a picture and filing their motivational interview and then coming back to it if you do decide to hire them, coming back to it a year or two years later to see how you're doing. And then, of course, um, getting the buy-in from your organization through the group interview. Well, honestly, this was so great, so guys. Great. And we covered a lot. Uh, we, we certainly covered a lot in terms of the importance of these things. And next week's episode, we're going to go over the part three of the hiring process. I can't wait. And so, yeah, yes, I love that make, part, So make so. sure to tune in. We have a lot to go over. So make sure to t- tune in next week. And we'll talk about part three. Of the love hiring. it. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. 
Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.